Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is January the 26th of 2022. It's our last podcast of the month. And it feels like it hasn't been that long, but here we are now. Has so. it not? Has January not felt tremendously painfully long to you? In terms of how many Weekly Manga Recaps we've done, no. Okay. You know what? When you say it like that, it makes more sense. In terms of weekly manga recaps experience, it feels short. In every other way, January has felt tremendously long. I'll take that, yeah. Yeah. It's been busy and weird. And everyone said COVID. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been uh, a tumultuous month, I think, for a lot of people. Basically, like, uh, th this month started, like, got through a week, and then uh, I found out the Monday of the second week that uh, someone in my department had COVID and had to stay home for the rest of the month. And then, you know, I'd already been hearing about all of the, you know, the, the cases spiking and stuff because people were like, we're past it. It's over. Let's just do Christmas and go and do New Year celebrations and have 50 people in one house and not worry about anything. And uh, the case is spiked. And uh. so I was like, I don't trust anyone in this entire building. So I'm going to have lunch in my office for the rest of the month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So which has been a little bit difficult because I keep on forgetting to bring silverware. So. <laughs> You're like, all right, thingies. You and me have been through some rough uh, times, but <laughs> let's eat this soup. <laughs> <laughs> the most difficult thing to possibly eat. And, uh, and I was like, "Well, couldn't you drink it out of out of the cup?" No, 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 no. Uh, See, I, I get, I get, I bring all of my food in very shallow dishes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it was tomato soup, so you know, I really had to dig the whole hand in there to get anything. <laughs> And yeah, I look like a weirdo, but you know what I don't have? COVID. COVID. <laughs> it's tomato soup all over your face and shit. <laughs> and you know what? Kept everyone away from me. Yeah. No COVID. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, guys. We have a lot of different manga series to discuss this week. Uh, so I guess we should just kind of get I'm into it. I'm making an executive decision. Let's only talk about two. Which one should we talk about? The one, now I feel like I need to do it in a whittle. The one that brings us closer to the heart and the one with the most boobs. So I guess even zero <laughs> and I'm dead on luck. <laughs> which one is which? Oh. <laughs> That's a question for the sages. I guess so. Well, I think that we'll start as we normally do with My Hero Academia, which brings us to chapter number 341. The story of how we all became heroes. Part minus one. Listen here, Horikoshi. You stay off of the bleach chapter numbering uh, function here. This is this, this is not going to fly. You can't just be doing it. You can't start at minus one, first of all. You got to start at minus 80 something and then work your way forwards as opposed to starting at minus one and presumably going to minus two next time. Unless this is a one off. It might be. It might be. I mean, I would say it might be, except they feel like they kind of touched on every member of the League of Villains in this chapter. Yeah, a little bit. So, a little bit, yeah. Speaking of the League of Villains, we start with the just this full page spread at the beginning of Toga looking gross and weird. And uh, it's a cool picture. I like it. Then we start with Toga. Hmm. 
-hmm. as uh, we see that, well, she's visiting her old house. Um, Oh, what? Never mind. I thought I noticed the detail on the cover page, but it turns out I'm. Oh, it's to look like twice. Okay, I get it now. Mm. I didn't pick up on that at first. I thought at first it looked like the blood was making almost a jacket for her. And then I was like, well, it doesn't look completely right. Also, her sleeves are long, so I guess she is. And now I'm like, oh, it's twice. I get it now. I think mm-hmm. I pick up on things. Yeah. So uh, we we see that Toga is visiting her old home. And uh, it's covered in graffiti and it has clearly been abandoned for a while. Uh, and I did note that there's like... A really weird, like, if you just allow graffiti to, you know, appear in a place, it doesn't matter what the original reason people are doing graffiti for is. Because in this case, it's, oh, you know, Himiko Toga, the the awful villain who had the weird childhood, was a weird, sharp-toothed, blood-hungry weirdo that people were scared of and that killed her classmates and stuff. They're like, yeah, there's all this stuff saying, oh... You 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 gave birth to a demon. How dare you? This is an awful family and stuff. And then eventually it just kind of devolves into someone spray painted a giant deuce on the wall. I love the one that just spray painted idiot. <laughs> like, like, ouch, you got him. <laughs> and also someone played tic-tac-toe here, I guess. That would be fucking great if like some people just went in and they just wanted to be like, I'd like a dollar, please. Like, just like, just like random stuff. Like, do you know where my meds are? <laughs> season, right now, it's song I, lyrics. I want a new season of Iron Fist. You're just like, who's that person? <laughs> uh, we also see that, like, there's, you know, like the bits, like, on the wall where, like, they mark off the kids' age, uh, height as they get older. Uh, someone actually has gone to the trouble of scratching that out, which is like, it's not gonna, not gonna do anything. I'm sorry. Was, uh, she, she was already out there, dude. Just, like, she was they'll tall, never man. know how tall this villain was when she was two. Fucker. All they did was scratch it out. They didn't like cover it up, so it's still there. You know. Well, what would they do that with? Anyway, let me spray paint this wall. <laughs> um, and of course, she starts to have some flashbacks uh, about various different things that also, were said. Also, the person in this who household. played Tic Tac Toe cheated. X has like like three more than the O's. Like, what the fuck is this? Uh, is there is that the top right corner? Top uh, right hand corner could be an O, but that's still that's, five. You're X's right. Yeah, there's twice as many X's as those. <laughs> but I don't think these graffiti artists were really thinking straight. I I think that maybe this cheater at Tic Tac Toe <laughs> is just as bad as the vampire girl who's causing the big <laughs> issue in this chapter. You know what? How about that? Yeah. Look, we've seen Toga do a whole lot of weird and awful things, but you know what she's never done? Cheat. Never cheated at tic-tac-toe. Not once. Uh, Not not once once. in her whole life. Presumably. It's it's a weird thing to cheat at. Uh, And uh, so she's thinking about different things that were said in this household. People think that she's weird. People saying, oh, no one's ever going to accept her. Her parents saying, God, stop being weird. We can't take it. And all that kind of stuff. And uh, we then see her looking at in at the corner where she used to have her bed. And at one point she started chewing on her wrist and tasting her own blood and saying like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, every night I dream of a dancing red sparrow. It does a tap dance on my tummy. 
and sooner or later rips my tummy open and dances a jig inside me and stains me red all over, making me oh so cute. Such a pleasant dream. It makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a know. weird moment. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Toga's got some problems, and she, you know, has an obsession with blood. Uh, to see it portrayed in this way was still pretty creepy, though. Yes, so. very much so. Uh, and then she just kind of looks around her, and she just kind of mutters to herself, threw it all away. And then she goes outside after that. And Dobby apparently has been following her. So Dobby says, I never knew you even had a heart, but even you can get caught in emotion, I guess. And Toga's like, I was just curious about my old house. It's normal. I'm not being weird. You're weird. Fuck you. And uh, Dobby says, well, are you sure you're ready for what's coming? Us putting an end to this rotten world. And Toga's like, it's a little late to ask that now. It's like, I mean, yeah, they, they, they've kind of been through a lot to this point. And then Dobby says, good. Ah, take it all away. I really was going to do a Puddle of the Mud reference when it was her line that threw it all away. And I was like, that's not the line, though, right? But it sounds a lot like it. I'm glad I didn't, because I would look like quite the fool if that happened. Uh, there is a Bob Dylan song called Threw it. I Threw It All Away. Yeah, but I was... Johnny Cash and I threw it. Come on, we're all about that WWE butt rock. We all want that that's... butt rock. Anyway, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just... <laughs> That's how ADD sometimes hits me is I was like, no, I threw it all away the song. Hold on. And I just zoned out. And I was like, I gotta find this out. Can you take it all away? Can you take it all away? This pain you gave to me when you shoved it in my face. Yep. That, I knew that part. I thought I was threw it all away. I'm sorry. Where were we? Everything's so blurry <laughs> and everyone's so fake. We're talking about eating zero now, right? Yes, that's right. So uh, Dobby, who's in Ian zero now, says whether we're smile crying or smiling. The sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> what if, like, all this, this scene just stops and he just does a full musical number? <laughs> he just starts dancing. The sun will come out tomorrow. So it's like, but, all he right. does it, but just like our earlier conversation, he does it in the style of Puddle of Mud. The yeah. sun will come out tomorrow, tomorrow. I love you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, we shouldn't will this into the world, or there will be a, a Limp Biscuit cover of this song by the end of the year. Oh God! <laughs> I, I I heard recent because they apparently put out a new album recently, and I heard some people talking about. I was like, it's actually pretty good. And then they went on to talk about how like two thirds of the songs aren't good. And I was like, did you like this album or not? <laughs> to be fair, two thirds, two thirds of the album only being shit is a pretty good ratio for a Limp Bizkit album. And I say that having listened to a lot of Limp Bizkit in my time and loving them. Look, they're not a good band. God, people say, people say like, oh, you were either a Limp Bizkit fan or a Linkin Park fan. If that is true, Jesus, I backed the right horse. Like, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Uh, I liked both. That is not the binary, by the way. It's, it's, it's not at all. But man, yeah, that's 100% the better. There, hold on. My way is only good because of the WrestleMania uh, thing. <laughs> There's two different versions of fucking rolling, and only one right. of them is kind of good. <laughs> and that's it. I really, I'm trying, I'm like... 
I know I listened to that album on repeat, uh, and not another song is coming to me. Well, the later one that people do seem to like is Behind Blue Eyes, They're which idiots. is a cover. They're wrong. So. They're so wrong. That song is butt. I don't know how to tell you that song. Behind is... Blue Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the sun will come out tomorrow. So Dobby says, since the sun's coming out tomorrow anyway, I say, let's smile, Himiko Toga. Smiling is why we live our lives. And he throws some fire at her house and blows it up. Yeah. Bye, Toga House. It's gone now. And uh, Toga's kind of upset-ish about this, but mostly just because she's like, you're going to get us caught because you, you light a freaking bonfire in the middle of nowhere. And Toby's like, no, I won't. No, here, not enough heroes going out there, going around out now. So forget it. Anyway, watch me fall out of this window and catch myself. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Save me. Uh, but Where's then he Dobby? goes on. He was an idiot and fell out of a building and broke his back, so he's not going to be in the big battle at the end. Uh, Toga starts fiddling with one of her pouches, and as she does so, Toya slash Dobby says, it's not kind of so much as me twisting the knife and endeavor some more, and you'll be able to use it, you know. When you transform, if the person's someone close to your heart, you'll be able to use their quirk by drinking their blood. And before Machia whisked us away, I made sure to grab the original body's blood. Twice's blood. So, this is a problem. Yes. <laughs> this is something that I hadn't actually considered. Um, but it makes perfect sense. They established in the same arc where, you know, Twice is potentially the biggest threat to everyone on the hero's side that yeah toga can copy other people's quirks uh and also you know they established in great detail how much the two of them meant to each other so yeah it makes sense that she would be able to have that closest to him that she could do it so the heroes are fucked okay yes yeah, done <laughs> game over uh and Dobby says, yeah, we're going to keep that sad, sad parade marching. And the ones having the last laugh will be us. First half of the chapter is over. We cut over to where Spinner and All for One are. And Spinner hears some commotion coming from down the tunnel where, you know, it's like, oh, just put Shigaraki over there. I'll be fine. Just let him, just let him, just, he's fine over there. Just put him over there next to the fucking hot water heater. It's like, oh, we got rid of that. Why'd you get rid of that? We need that. <laughs> Put some newspapers down so, you know, he doesn't make a mess on the floor. And uh, very briefly, as Spinner goes down the tunnel, and by the way, <laughs> the thing that he does when he hears Shigaraki, who has, you know, been struggling with, you know, all of the quirks being shoved into his body and mutating and also having another brain inside of him and stuff. And Spinner just goes, you good? Yeah. Shigaraki? <laughs> ah! You, right? you good? <laughs> 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 he then very briefly say something see if you're good or not all right i did everything i could <laughs> i'm assuming he's fine <laughs> look there he is with all of his arms oh wait a minute <laughs> ah, if he's screaming then he's fine that's, that's all i needed thanks look if he's screaming he's still alive so he's fine he probably sees um a mass of body parts particular arms uh but then there's just a a shirk 
sound effect and Shigaraki is lying crumpled in the tunnel. And all for one's like, he's fine. It's all fine. He's recovering, conquering the quirk doomsday theory. Uh, and Spinner has um, one of Shigaraki's hand things clutched in his hands. And then Skeptic says, hey, Spinner, uh, I know we established a few chapters ago what your deal was going to be. But let me say what it is to you. Um, we need you to help us to get all of the, you know, the, 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 the heteromorphs to, you know, like work with us because, you know, they see you as like a symbol now because you've been associating with the League of Villains and stuff. But we need you to direct them and stuff because you're like their messiah. And Spinner's like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm, I'm just here to help us. Like, no, no, no. You don't have a choice. Things are already in motion. You, I mean, if you, if you don't do anything, then they're just going to have no guidance and get themselves hurt. So you should go and do that. So, yeah, the, it, he uh, is thinking to himself, like, I mean, look, I'm just an average person and I'm just here for Shigaraki. But OK. And we close the chapter with him going out in the middle of the street, seeing a bunch of heteromorphic people. And uh, we get some narration from, I believe, all for one saying, know this Iguchi Everyone can be somebody's hero. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's a bunch of different things that obviously got, you know, a bit of a once over in this chapter, more of a, uh, some looking into Toga's head. Uh, the big bomb drop that, yeah, she's now basically the biggest threat potentially in the League of Villains arsenal. And Spinner now get, uh, taking this more advanced position I do like the way that the chapter ends with the note of everyone can be somebody's hero, which, you know, of course, makes you think of hero in, you know, the sense of just someone who saves somebody or means something to somebody as opposed to truth and justice and all that stuff that tend to be used for protagonists and has been used in the series to this point. Uh, and uh, it also now makes it also makes sense why we're continuing this title of the day we all became heroes. Yeah while talking about the villains. Is that the mud dude from the first chapter as well in the last panel? I think it might very well be. Okay. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because like, you know, it could just be some other weird ooze slime dude. So I mean, Chainsaw Man is somewhere in this universe. We did establish that. One That's point, so. correct. Yeah. So uh, I mean, this is, I think, a pretty interesting chapter. I do like that we're kind of continuing the idea of Dual Leaf kind of focusing a little bit on the villains to give them a little bit more context as these are in some small way sort of uh, protagonists for us. I think the idea is we're supposed to really kind of be invested in, in Toga and twice now posthumously their story. That's a pretty cool twist that I, I do like. I think we've seen theories to the idea that Twice's blood could still be out there. And that could be the catalyst for her coming, him coming back to some extent. But I am actually pretty excited to see that. And then um, getting some like real development for Spinner that it's like, hey, we're not going to set him up some big grudge match or anything necessarily. But we're setting him up to be like sort of this motivational hero to all these other people who have similar sort of quirks like him that, that change their appearance. And I, I think that's 
a cool route to take with him to give this character some more context and make it more interesting as we go into the end. Spinner has always kind of felt like the most relatable member of the League of Villains. So I'm kind of curious to see if there's some kind of face turn for him somewhere down the line. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely been one of the more like just he's just always been established like he's just a dude who thought that, you know, villains are cool, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I am more interested to see like, oh, OK, what's going to happen next when we're in regards to the villains now that we're t- touching base with them as opposed to. It felt like we were just kind of doing a lot of, all right, the heroes are talking and making very vague plans that we don't know all the details of because we won't know them until it's time for the dramatic reveal later. All right. So. All right. Well, let's move on then, Nick, to Undead Unluck, number 95. I don't, think, I, don't th- I don't think we need to talk about this. It's not like anything important got established in this chapter. It says, so. It's called Skip It, so let's just move on That's over right. now to whatever is next. Boruto, I guess. Now, uh, we'll talk about Undead Unluck, because this is a crazy chapter. Uh, we open after we left last time, where a new sh- person showed up, uh, stabbed Fuko through the chest, and he cut that person in half, and then they just shouted, she doesn't have a pulse, the wound is too deep. Andy goes to try to check on Fuko, and the mysterious person emerges again from Andy's shadow, and just stabs him with a bunch of, like, blood spikes, and he just says, yeah, you're really more distraught than I thought you'd be about this. Uh, and Andy just asks, why did you attack Fuko? Mystery person says, you are dense. You sure are dense. Isn't it obvious? It's because you like her. And he gets his head cut off again, and he just starts laughing. He says, don't you see it's useless? I'm unruined. Immortal, you see. None of you negators unloved by God will be able to ruin my dreams. And we get the title introduction for unruined as his head sinks into Annie's shadow and disappears. And uh, it's cool because like the text for it is emerging or sinking into shadows as well. It's cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone's like, this is really bad, though. Fuko is losing too much blood. If she doesn't get a blood transfusion, or artificial heart, she's going to be done for. Uh, Andy cuts off his arm and is like, hey, we're the same blood type. Nico, hook me up to Fuko. They're like, all right, this is going to work, but it's not going to last. She's she's not going to just recover just based off this they bring up the idea of doing the same thing feng did or shen did where they use the time control artifact and they're like originally they bring up shen the the feng artifact to change the age and they're like that won't work it, it has like a hundred years basically put on it so until a hundred years pass nothing can work there and they're like we could use the thing shen did and they're like no that only works if the person's conscious when the decision is made which doesn't I guess makes sense. It's kind of like an extra rule that's been added in now to be like, we can mm. just do the same thing. So Juez pops in and says, the quest reward. The reward for the season's quest. If a certain rule that I've experienced in a previous loop, when that rule takes effect, the rules of death will change. And she says, there's no time to go into detail. Right now, in this world, a living being's physical body ceasing to function equates to their death. At this rate, Fuku will meet that condition and die. But if she makes it to when the new rule is added, then there will still be hope for. Please believe me and put Fuko's life in my hands. That is the only way Fuko can live. So they agree to do it. Uh, Billy opens up the portal and I like it because we see Unloved is just posing in front of a mirror 
And we never found out what his name is. A lot of theories it's unburned, but the person with the visor who's a member of Under is just hanging around there as this portal opens up and all of their enemies pile through it. <laughs> and he just has to be like, huh? <laughs> Uh, Andy says, Billy, I owe you one. He says he's just repaying the favor. They say they say this is an emergency. Everyone, you know, get around the table. We're about to do the, the thing. Andy says the new rules get added, added on January 1st. There's no way we can last that long. Fuko's going to die. And Juez says, we'll just have to skip time. And then she turns and looks at the moon and screams, Luna, let's make a deal. I'll transfer all of my points over to these two in exchange. Send them both a week ahead to the day of the quest results. And he's like, I don't, what are you talking about? And she continues screaming, this will prevent me from looping. From looping. This is a deal that will work in your favor. And then there's silence. And then Andy hears a voice that's reflected multiple times saying it's a deal and then he shows up on the moon and a, <laughs> a ghost shrinking tea says good luck may the graces of the moon be upon you and then when they wake up they teleported a week into the future <laughs> it is so buck wild that is exactly the pacing that i had when i first read this chapter i was just like what is happening or he fades out andy looks over like wait a minute is that a toy robot <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they both arrived uh juez just says get the cryo equipment ready in the artificial organ they're like we really did it we made it it's the end apocalypse is reading off all the rewards and just says we made it in time success the reward the addition of uma ghost mm. and an interesting detail is that they are all at the table which seems to be back in union headquarters mm-hmm. yeah uh so I love so that. most most cataclysmic time skips indicate you know seem to be like you know a matter of years. No, 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 no. one week. One week. <laughs> let's see, let's uh, I, hope, all... I hope everyone has a new hairstyle. Everyone's <laughs> got some crazy new hairstyle now. Oh uh, my god! Yeah, it's gonna be crazy to see what the hell all of that was about. <laughs> it's really, really good. Uh, it's 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 just a really fun adventurous crazy chapter where things are just really bonkers like it's just so much stuff's happening it's really fun world building i have a lot of questions i want to ask but i kind of also get the impression we'll get those answers eventually but it's exactly the type of world building that i really really like out of undead unlock where it's just craziness and every moment you're like what's happening super awesome yeah uh it'll be uh i mean I, I it's really nice whenever you get that kind of moment in a series where it's like you've got that level of faith in the storytelling where when something weird happens and it's not really explained you go okay i can't wait to see where this goes yeah and uh i feel like this is actually the first time that we've been covering undead and luck uh that i i get that sense while we're in the midst of reading it because it's been a lot of like okay you know we have to go and do the thing as opposed to ooh what's the thing that just happened i was gonna say so. since we've been covering it on the show we've been we went from the sp the summer arc right into the spring arc which took right. like basically the whole portion so we haven't gotten any of those crazy world building chapters really yeah all right well, let's talk about a series with equally as awesome and compelling world building it's boruto next generations chapter uh, 66 sorry number 66 do number or die yeah uh, with, um, Kawaki on the cover and, uh, he, uh, has either got like a crick in his neck or like, he's trying to like get a, 
get get the right angle to like see this thing he's looking at. It's like, what's that look like? What's that? Uh, His neck really is kind of jacked up now that I look at it. It's very long in that picture. <laughs> uh, so we get. You know, so Kawaki is oh, he's unleashed the, the 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 karma again, but this time it's just a weapon. It's not so he can be a vessel for Ishiki this time. And we get some narration from his conversation with Amado saying, "You want to protect the Hokage, right? You need more power in order to take him in order to take Code down. And this will be a karma in the in the form of a weapon. And you have the base criteria. I can make it happen. It's all up to you, Kawaki. The choice." Is in your hands. And Kawaki is transformed. And he has markings and a horn and stuff. And Code looks at this and goes, What the heck? Does he have karma again? (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't make sense. Ada says, Well, it looks like Amato never intended to let Kawaki decide whether he wanted karma back or not. He'd already finished reconstructing it. And Code's like, What? The only way these scenes could like really work and be great is if Damon was loudly snoring through them. So you could see she's trying to have this conversation and there's just loud sound effects. Like, <laughs> and Shikamaru is just kind of was like, why is this guy snoring? <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out of his ear. He's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so Ada says, he knew that Kawaki would hunger for more power. He probably restored karma when he replaced Kawaki's right hand. All that was left was to motivate him to want it. Sure, whatever. Yeah. And then Shikamaru's like, wait a minute. This guy's talking with someone. He has an ally somewhere. Yeah, you're the smart one, Shikamaru. Yeah. <laughs> Code was doing such a good job of, you know, speaking into his palm so that no one would see that he was, you know, communicating with someone. No one would ever notice that. I do really enjoy how sometimes when characters in Boruto speak, they just reveal how kind of banal and dumb they are. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what? Nothing like that happens in the rest of this chapter. (laughs) So evil Boruto says, what a surprise. It's not usually possible for a karma that is lost to manifest again. Is that that geezer Amato's doing? What is he scheming? Kawaki just looks at him. You fool! Go on! Just keep letting yourself be used by others until you get fed to ten tails. And so then Kawaki goes, hmm, glare, sheen, and a bunch of rods appear and hit the ground around Boruto. And now it's like, that jutsu! It's not jutsu, it's karma. Come on, dude. So then they start throwing stuff at each other and shoom, ba-dum, and oh, he makes some cubes appear. And Naruto's like, oh my god, it's just like all the stuff that Jigen could do. Yes, that's correct. So, and Code is watching this and he's like, oh, he's using Daikokuten and Sukunahikona and other super complicated sounding technique names, which translate to um, grabbing stuff and making them small and big. Yeah. So, Naruto's like, oh my god, those abilities. And Kawaki just says, shouldn't you be focused on staying still, Lord Seventh? Not that I care what happens to him. Because, remember, Code has Shikamaru hostage, and he said he would kill him if Naruto moved. But, you know, he could just do that now or something. Naruto says, Kawaki, how far are you planning to go? And Kawaki goes... I'll do what needs to be done. 
for you. Play the dramatic music at that point. Just yeah, but like you know, like the the, the show and antihero like dramatic oh. music, so you know, or something like that. Oh, anyway, can we just put in any music? Because I want, uh, of course, the best anime theme of all time. Ichigo's number one. Oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'll do what needs to be done. Can you come back to the action? So, <laughs> evil Boruto charges Kawaki, tries to use a Rasengan. Kawaki absorbs it. I don't know. He spits fire at him. Boruto absorbs it. Oh, fool. I absorb Jutsu. Well, I absorb Jutsu. Well, you know what you can't absorb? Speed lines. Shuriken. These shuriken will definitely stop him. And I swear, literally, I started reading this action scene. I was just like, okay, skip page, skip page, skip page. Just don't give a shit about any of this. There's no way to decipher any of this action in a meaningful way. Like, if I really sit here, yeah, eventually I could parse, like, he throws a bunch of shuriken. And uh, Kawaki basically, like, teleports some, like, spikes up there, and they all collide, and Boruto dodges, and then there's a bunch kind of following Boruto, and then he lands, and he activates the Rasengan, and Kawaki has his claw, and they clash, there's a big explosion, but just, like, none of it carries any weight. Even the no. big scene of Kawaki and, and uh, Boruto about to collide with their hands definitely feels like it's meant to be reminiscent of the Chidari and the, the Rasengan clash. But it's just a panel. It's just a regular ass panel with a bunch of speed lines and nothing around it. It's not cinematic in any way. It's just physically a thing I watch and I'm like, all right, cool. And then I go on to the next panel. It just does not. It, it's really honestly sad to see this because like this is supposed to be like it's as if we're supposed to be watching Naruto and Sasuke at this point because they're now using a bunch of like techniques that we've seen, you know, them pick up from each of those two people and yeah there's a lot of things that are just beat for beat parts of that we've seen in naruto versus sasuke but it's like yeah but you know you're just reminding me of a cooler fight yeah. at that point it's eh. eventually kawaki throws his hand out and i guess at some point he managed to put small chakra rod things in boruto and they grow because he uses GN's ability. And then he makes a big box appear over top of him that's going to crush Boruto to death. So Naruto dashes in and saves his son. And Code goes... Uh-oh, he moved, Nick. He moved. He moved. Now now Shikamaru is going to get killed. But forget it. There's no point in killing you now. <laughs> so I love that that's what happens. And Shikamaru just says... Well, I guess I'll just sit here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he just told you he's not going to kill you. Why wouldn't you at least try to resist in some way at that point? Instead of just be like, no, just hang out here. Then I'm kind of comfy. You actually have a pretty strong grip. It actually kind of calms me in that way, which I don't know. Maybe that's something I'll have to unpack later. But right now, I really appreciate it. So, you know, good times for all of us, right? Uh, Naruto starts scolding Kawaki and he's like, are you trying to kill him? And Kawaki says, I told you. I'm doing what needs to be done. It's do or die now. And Naruto says, but he's my son. And Kawaki says, yes, but at the same time, he's a demon who is targeting your life. And Naruto says, you're the one who's being a demon. Naruto, 
famously ostracized and treated like a monster his entire childhood by the entirety of everyone he knows for something he had no real option in, shouts, you're the one who's being a demon. In my opinion, the Jedi are evil. <laughs> it's like, all right, man, I understand why he could be upset right now. I do feel it is a little out of character for Naruto to call another child a demon, though. God. So Kawaki says, well, the real issue here is that you aren't able to do it yourself, so I'll do it. Move aside. And Naruto says, cool your head, Kawaki. Again, famously cool-headed Naruto. (laughs) (laughs) He's mature now. It's been like, what, 20 years? He's got to eventually have chilled out, right? Kawaki says, you need to face reality. There is no other way. And Boruto gets up and he shoves Naruto aside and he's got the transformation markings across his body now, but he's clearly like not evil now because he's not going (laughs) constantly. He just looks like, you know, a normal kid. So, uh, but he starts to struggle and, uh, he's struggling with himself. Uh, he's struggling with, with, Oh no, the Utsukification inside of him and stuff. And Naruto's like, Boruto, are you back to normal? Are you okay again? And he starts, Boruto starts arguing with himself and literally talking to himself like, go to sleep. No, you go to sleep. Shut up. Uh, and then he says, Amato's meds do seem to work. I've been able to control Momoshiki's power to an extent, but it's only temporary. It's far from a solution. I mean, look at what just happened. Talk about some awful side effects. Those aren't side effects. The, that is that that is the symptom that you're trying to combat. He's like, oh no, I meant I shit my pants back there because of Amato's meds. You guys oh, okay, didn't sell that? Okay, okay. Oh man, possessed by Suzuki, and you shit your pants. Can this get any worse? Oof. And the prom is tomorrow. <laughs> uh. So everyone just kind of looks at each other for a minute. And then Kawaki says, Boruto, do you remember what I said to you once? And Boruto hey, thinks five back. Dollars I could borrow for a bag of chips. <laughs> no, no. The thing about me killing you. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right. I'll somehow get rid of your karma. I swear it. And Boruto's like, yeah. And I've come to realize today that we're going to have to go through with our last resort plan. And Kawaki says, yeah. Unfortunately. You know, the thing I was chomping at the bit to uh, do before I'm without gonna, consulting you. I'm going to get a new bed. <laughs> That's right. Now I'll be your dad's only son. <laughs> He's still going to love me after this. <laughs> <laughs> so Boruto claps his hands together, I guess to um, just, I don't know. Do a jutsu, maybe? I don't know. And he says, give my best to mom and Hima. And Naruto says, no, what are you planning to do? Don't do anything rash. But Boruto puts his hand against his dad's stomach and thrusts him away with a wind jutsu style. And so Naruto can't possibly recover from this. Naruto. (laughs) He's done for. He's done for. He got blown away by a gentle palm. A stiff breeze caused him to dart backwards. There's no way that he can do anything about this. So Kawaki says, I take your ready, Boruto. And Boruto says, you're the one I can ask this of. So while my mind is still holding Momoshiki at bay, do it, bro. But don't tase me, bro. So Kawaki turns forward and <laughs> claws through Boruto's stomach. And Naruto looks on in dull surprise as his son gets impaled through the chest. And Ew, <laughs> gross, blood. 
<laughs> Shikamaru's eyes widen slightly. Ada is, I don't know. And Boruto's going, oh, this hurt more than I thought it would. He's like, I thought you were going to knock me out. I, I, I misremembered the conversation. Um, I thought and, we were uh, going to try homeopathic. Oh. <laughs> Boruto, after getting impaled, then flies backwards because that's how getting impaled works, I guess. And he falls on his back well, and Kawaki, lies there. Kawaki's attacks have magnets in them. That's uh, the shift, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. And Naruto goes, Boruto! <laughs> As the chapter ends. I know we talk a lot about this series and its art uh, for multiple different reasons. Uh, one of, I guess, the less sinister things to talk about the art, though, is just how unremarkable the art in this chapter is. Which, like, this chapter is clearly meant to be a big chapter beyond Absolutely. like everything reminiscing to the Sasuke uh, Naruto fight. This is clearly a huge chapter. Boruto sacrificing his life because he cannot control the, the karma inside of him. He doesn't want to be taken over and Kawaki and him reaching the, the true Zenith of their bro friendship with Kawaki choosing to take his life because there's no other possible way. And at the end of the chapter, Boruto is dead. And there is not a single panel with any kind of real heavyweight to it. Nothing leaves a real impact. Like, I know we kind of joke like Naruto with dull surprise as Boruto. But like, there is no panel in which you are able to relate to Naruto's deep sadness that oh, yeah. his son has been murdered in front of him. There is like, nothing. There's just like... Uh, where it should be, you know, he's his, he should look destroyed in yeah. this moment, and you, the yeah, it's the arts a let down in a lot of different ways in this chapter, which compounds, it merely compounds, I should say, the fact that everyone has made the joke. So remember how chapter one starts in a flash forward where you see that Boruto's alive. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, like, look, Boruto's not, even if you hadn't seen that, Boruto's not dead. Like, no, he's, he's the main, he's the his name, name of the is in the title. Like, he's not dead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a weird, fr like, awkward chapter. I wish I could hate it more. I kind of almost want to force myself to like it. But, like, yeah, there's just nothing memorable about this chapter. Like, next chapter is going to open... And I'm like, oh, right, Boruto got killed at the end of the last chapter because just nothing about this is going to stick with me. Yeah, it it should be a thing of like, oh, my God, what's going to happen that you're, where you're waiting with bated breath for the next month? And it's just like, yeah, all right, I guess Koto leave or something next time. And then we'll just like see how Boruto can be saved or it just didn't get killed or whatever. Also, so. poor, poor Code has been diminished to like loser third tier character ever since this happened you're like oh right i guess code is still physically present by this scene and shikamaru <sighs> just has to be the helpless prisoner in his grasp the entire time you're like i don't even know what this scene is anymore our poor boy oh, yeah. not getting a chance to shine hmm. i'm glad we spent fucking a year inside the bar talking to ada and learning oh man her and david for those characters to do fucking nothing so far <laughs> All right, let's move over to Spy Family. Yeah, for five seconds. 
Chapter fifty-eight point three, which this, this is infuriating. I understand. Short mission seven. I understand why it is fifty-eight point three because all three chapters are meant to collectively be like a short, like they're not connected. They are just all collectively kind of like a short chapter thing. But this one being done in the exact same numbering as the yeah. other two is very strange to me. It's a very short chapter that is about the adventures of Bond Man, the spy superhero that whose show Anya watches. And it just kind of plays on the whole Bond girl thing. But instead of the girl dying or just going away between stories, they keep on following Bond Man around. And he just keeps on seducing these different scientists and villains and enemy spies and stuff. And they keep following him around. And then eventually they realize, like, wait a minute are you going out with all these women? And he's like, well, yes, I need to bring joy to all the ladies of the world. So they beat the shit out of him. And then I, an, I like uh, how quickly it escalates. The first one slaps him. The second one stabs, stabs him in the arm. <laughs> and it ends with like a nuke going off or something like that. And Anya's just like, ah, this is like one of those lovey dovey shows that Becky talks about. They're like, yeah. Okay. It's just a very short joke chapter. I do think that it's that it's an it's, you know, an imaginative joke in terms of like, oh, yeah. What if just all the Bond girls just were alive and kept following him around and it eventually was like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> That's it. It's a very funny joke. It is. It is a funny joke. Yeah. All right, Nick, let's talk real quick about Eden Zero, Chapter 176, The Planet Dahlia. The crew goes I to the planet. I can't read this chapter because it's not on Crunchyroll. Uh, so. <laughs> well, I'll give you all the details. Uh, the crew goes to the Planet Dahlia to get their ship repaired. They meet Labilia, who is a loser now, and Holy shows up in a swimsuit. Aww. That's it. That is the entire stretch of this chapter if you want to go into it in detail sure let's start at the beginning we start with Zhao Mei who explains everything that's going on she's wearing a swimsuit which is odd so she addresses the reader why am I in a swimsuit you ask why shouldn't I wear a swimsuit once in a while teehee then we shot get a shot of her feet and she explains that was just... <laughs> and then the ship goes to the planet Dahlia I don't that's it. That's I don't know why we got introduced to her. They're going to a resort to repair their ship. Um, okay. All the characters are in bikinis. Uh, there's we a had a bath scene two chapters ago. Well, we didn't have a beach scene, Nick. It's very different. There's a weird shot that implies Captain Connor is staring at Rebecca's butt as she picks out a wedgie. And Look, he just thinks of all these kids as his as his, as his foster say, children. I was gonna say he established he has a daughter her age, so it's really really weird that they're doing that. Weiss is the one who has to be like, "Hey, don't ogle my crewmates," and the scene has no conclusion. It just moves on, <laughs> and Connor then brings up, "Why are we here to repair a ship? Isn't there like a super fancy way to do it that doesn't require stopping?" And they're like, "We're here for fun." <laughs> it doesn't. They're like, "No." Look. We just come out of a very devastating, long adventure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, e ether drives aren't all powerful. They need maintenance. And besides, this is Kermit's exact quote. The pool side is the best place to do get my programming done. And she just types on her computer. Uh, there's a joke about sister dragging Moscow in a ball gag and a leash through the water. And she says this is the perfect place to break in new animals, which is very unnerving. Uh, also, he he's not new. So. Yeah. 
Pino and Happy are like enjoying themselves on little jet streams that are popping out, popping out of the water. So for some reason, Laguna and Clean decide to ruin their fun by creating a giant tidal wave that blows them all away. Hamora is running against one of those like lazy rivers the other way because she's like, this is training. Weiss, can you make it faster? So he does, and it blows off all of her clothes. Uh, Shiki decides... Uh, Rebecca asks Shiki if they could take some photos together, and they do. And then on the last one, she kisses him, and she's like, that's pretty valuable, don't you think? And then they fist bump. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and then we it see... It feels like it just sums up, like, Shonen heroes in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm sorry. So some... the girl confesses to him and kisses him, and then afterwards, they're just like, yeah! <laughs> Someone says the that couch po goes to the food court and if it happens it is literally in the background of a shot that i have not seen yet so i don't know maybe it does anyway there's a bunch of guys being rude to somebody and it turns out it's labilia who is a b-cuber who i guess has fallen on hard times after the past three years and there's a bunch of guys who are mean well, to her well labilia is uh, rebecca's old rival yeah yeah. But she has it, I guess, in the way Rebecca has become a mega huge B-star uh, with, what, 5 million views or whatever the fuck it was, or subscribers. Labilia has it. I guess she is stagnated because they are criticizing her. They're like, oh, are you wearing a bikini to try to get those views up? Yeah, you trying to scrounge up more views. And she's like, please don't film me. I'm just here to have fun like and to relax. I'm on vacation. And the guys are like, you should take off all your clothes and strip for us. And she's like, God. no, I don't want to. So Shiki shows up and hits them all with gravity. And they're like, what are you doing here? And then the guys get up and they're like, who, we don't know what happened. We just all fell into the ground. Hey, that's Rebecca. She's a super famous beekeeper. Let's force You should take off your clothes for our entertainment. Yes, they say you should strip for us now after we beat up your boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> one of them goes, then we'll get Re a Rebecca stip tease. And the one other guy says, woohoo, it's good to be alive. <laughs> uh, there are. <laughs> We don't actually get a conflict there then because Holy shows up also in a bikini, uh, or I guess a one-piece sexy swimsuit, and she's like, you guys shouldn't start fights like this. And then she ends the chapter by saying, look, just because this is uh, this is sex hurrah, the sexual harassment is legal, planet. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always one. <laughs> uh, she shows up the uh, other guys basically say uh, if you insist on carrying on like this you'll be arrested so all of the weird dudes who were attempting to sexually assault women presumably uh, run away and get away with it yeah eek and they run away they've been emasculated Nick they'll never do another crime again and then uh, Holy just says we should work together Shiki we should join forces we can be friends I mean, considering that an arc ended with Hamura's mother getting sexually assaulted and it was justice. Um, yeah, I guess they wouldn't face punishment in this yeah, series. Exactly. All right. Did you feel um, like you missed anything, Nick? Um, yeah, kind of like not not nothing good, but I definitely missed something. So, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a, a very weird. That's why I said almost nothing actually happens in this chapter. It's like a weird 
kind of joke chapter. The only things that happen, I guess, is the kiss, which then ends in a fist bump. <laughs> and then Labilia being really sad now. And Hope is there. It's going to be a really weird uh, thing to look back on. Like, if it becomes like a bar, like, imagine like we get like a big romantic thing later on in the series where it's like you know it we show we get like a montage of them getting closer and closer and it's like oh yeah remember the first time that rebecca kissed cheeky you know when there were those guys that kept on demanding that every woman around them strip naked for their amusement and then you let them get away <laughs> without doing anything Ugh. what are you gonna do all right beat them up <laughs> don't have them Remember, this is a dark series, Nick. <laughs> Speaking of dark series, it's time for some serious drama. In Doron, Dororon. Uh, last time, it looked like we were getting the Grand Fisher arc super early. Yep. Uh, this is, in fact, the Mononoke that killed Dora's mom. How dare that asshole? And Dora's all really, really angry. Uh, Kusanagi is disturbed to see him in such a state. He pulls Dora and the person they rescued to safety. And then the giant Mononoke turns on the mouse spinning top thing that tried to sacrifice it and impales it with a with a needle thing. And it's like, where do you think you're going? You let my food escape. I should kill you, but I'll give you one last chance that you've brought me so many meals. If you can stand before 10 seconds are up, I'll let you live. And the mouse thing is like, I, I'm all numb, though. I can't move. And then the giant monarchy just goes, 10. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Like, so I don't know if we're meant to actually think the 10 seconds have passed or if I it literally just skips to 10. Exact Same thought. I assume it's just it skips straight to 10, but it is very easy to miss whether or not he actually counted and it just took 10 seconds or the thing's just evil. I guess it's better just you're assuming it's evil and it just went to 10 immediately. You're like, oh no! Mouse literally monster! The, yeah, literally, the first time that I read this, I was like, did it count? Like, yeah. are we meant to just assume that like 10 seconds passed in these two panels or is it just being a dick? It's, that's why usually you go, have you have the person go 1, 2, 10. You know, like, it, it, instead of just going 10. So, anyway. Uh, anyway, it's all pissed off now. Big, giant, evil aura surrounding it. Kusanagi turns to the person that they rescued and says, You've got a call for a strong samurai! And Dora says to Kusanagi, Katana, please. And Kusanagi says, His supernatural power is really strong. We can't beat him the regular way. We have to think of something. And Dora's like, Katana! And Kusanagi's like, Okay. And so he turns to his sword. And Dora tries to cut him with the katana. And uh, it doesn't work. He blocks it with these giant nail things and then starts stabbing at Dora, who's kind of deflecting some of them, but still getting scratched up. Uh, and Dora just keeps on going after him and going after him. And Kusanagi's like, my blade can't cut him, Dora. We got to come up with something. But Dora just keeps on slashing with him. It doesn't do anything uh, until eventually the thing causes a nail to fire into Dora's leg, which, you know, look, that's a big ass thing and dora is a regular dude and uh it's just stabbing into his thigh and he just goes because you know yeah minor problem kusanagi's really worried for him of course but uh, dora's just like the spike from that time you mean two seconds ago that that time why why is it worded this way it's weird so 
Anyway, um, he dodges away from the creature. Uh, he can still move despite the needle, which, you know, caused that weird numbness uh, to fall over the other Mononoke. But uh, he gets whacked and sent flying through the air and crashes on the roof of a building. Fortunately, Kusanagi turns into a, a comfy beanbag chair to cushion his fall. And then Dora's like, all right, come on, Kusanagi, let's go fight that thing. Turn into a katana so I can stab it. And Kusanagi says, we can't win by stabbing it, though. And Dora goes, that thing killed my mother. I won't be satisfied until I kill it with my own hands. And Kusanagi goes, I didn't realize a Mononoke killed his mother. Thanks, Kusanagi. I really like the voice you have for Kusanagi. It's a good voice. Dora's like, change to a katana, Kusanagi. And Kusanagi says, I know this is really painful for you, Dora, but am I a tool for your revenge? Dora goes, fine, I'll do it alone. And Kusanagi grabs him and says, no, I want to fight to protect people, not to get vengeance. I want us to fight together. And if we keep fighting this, this, you'll get killed, Dora. And Dora's like, it doesn't matter. Let me go. It does matter. Even though I want to protect lots of people, I know it's selfish, but most of all, I don't want to lose you, Dora. And Dora thinks about what his mom said while she was dying. Live a long life, Dora. Promise me that. And Kusanagi says, remember who you are, Dora. And Dora says, I'm immediately okay now, Kusanagi. You can let go now. And then he bows his head in apology to Kusanagi for losing his head. And he says, forgive me. I'm always making mistakes. I lost my temper. I wasn't being fair to either of us. I wouldn't want my mom to see me like that. So thanks. And Kusanagi's like, oh, that's no problem. I'm grateful to you, too. Because even though I'm a Mononoke, one of those things you hate used to accept me. And life is fun now, thanks to you. Your energy is what keeps me going. Thank you, Dora! And he starts crying because this is a funny scene now. Uh-huh. And then and then Dora fist pumps his head and is like, let's keep fighting. Yeah! And Kusanagi turns into a sword and they rush back into battle. <laughs> you know, before this chapter was recapped, I said to myself, this was a pretty, this was the best chapter of Doron. No. Doron. <laughs> no. And then as you started to recap it, I was like, it probably still is, but not <laughs> to the degree that I thought it was before. <laughs> I, I thought this was trash. Like, I'm sorry to anyone that this worked for, but Jesus Christ, you went through all the drama and all of the potential, like, interesting character conflict in this in one fucking chapter? Fuck off with this. <laughs> I do I do 100% agree. At the same time, I did appreciate Kusanagi basically asking, like, am I just a weapon to you? Like, is that the only thing that actually matters? Because like, my thoughts and feelings should matter. I want us to be friends and to, to be safe and to have a lot of fun together. Like, that is actually, I thought, a very cool moment. And it was, it was forcing Dora to kind of confront his rage. And then, yeah, it just kind of ends. And then they're like, all right, back to the fight. You're like, but I thought the whole conflict was that they weren't going to go into the fight. Like, I, We've I, got to think of a new plan. And now that I've calmed down, turn to a sword, Kusanagi. <laughs> yeah, like, like he literally turns into the katana that he refused to turn into before. Like I can look benefit of the doubt. Maybe next chapter, they're not going to go fight the monster. They're here to, you know, to tour it, you know, save people. 
just hold it off until stronger samurai or something like that could show up. And, uh, you know, there's a lesson there. But at the moment, digesting this chapter week to week, it really does feel like it was like, turn into a sword, Kusanagi. No, I'll be a weapon for your revenge. I love you. Let's go. I'm a sword now. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. That's a little weird, right? All right, Dora. I'll be a tool for you for our friendship. <laughs> The specifics oh, matter. God, it it just made it so easy, and it it's really disappointing that it's just like, yeah, things are back to normal now, and now this this now this Mononoke that killed Dora's mom means nothing. All even, right, even if it had just been a one chapter, or uh, like one more chapter, like the end of this chapter, Dora's really upset. It says, "Fine, I'm just gonna go." Uh, fight it alone or something like that. And then Kusanagi is like, I, I can't be a part of that. I won't do it. But then realize like, you know what? Next chapter, I am going to be there. I don't want to fight and kill this monster, but I want to protect you or something. Something that like gave a little bit of like a time to dwell in their thoughts as opposed to like Dora immediately forgiving him, like being like, yeah, you're right, but let's go do it anyway. And look, I get that it's refreshing probably for some people to be like, I like that the hero... Uh, didn't get caught up in their own emotions for too long. They immediately realized like the good parts of everything. Um, but it just doesn't work that same way. Like it, it does feel like this could have been an emotional catharsis to have if more time had either been spent before this point, really getting to know Dora and Kusanagi's friendship. We spent a lot of time just dicking around with Jinchio. So we really don't have that much fondness for like the Kusanagi door relationship quite yet for this chapter mm. to work or you have to spread it out or we don't have time for it. We're probably under the cancellation acts already. We just got to do it now. Cause this was a beat we wanted to hit. In which yep. case, there you go. Yep. So let's talk let's... about another series. that's going to live forever. Nick. That, that if, if you Susu has his way, their way, I should say. Okay. Uh, so uh, we are at the point where everyone is confronting Yupi Susu. Muscar used his, you know, fate manipulation power to, you know, call a freaking meteorite down. And Yupi Susu um, caught it uh, so it just turns it into nothingness with their uh, power over eternity and just kind of reverses time as they're holding the rock. So uh, Muscar is like, huh? Well, uh, all right. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> that's basically all he really says. Uh, Muscar says, let us proceed as planned. We will find out what they're really up to and stop time from repeating itself once more. But Yubisusu points their finger at all of the other gods and says, enjoy eternal peace, my comrades. So all of the different chaos gods get their shit ready. Muscar is getting ready to adjust fate. Agu has an I-beam of destruction going. And Uneris is preparing pulsing providence. And they combine to like a freaking super move like out of Sailor Moon blasting out into the ocean. And also um, Nosukoshu starts trying to put everyone to sleep so that they aren't disturbed by all of the chaos that is unfolding. Uh, Muscar causes the oceans to swirl around uh, everyone in order to try and stop Yubisusu. But Yubisusu just like flows up into the air and then descends on everyone and just says, I will turn back time and over and over again 
repeating this day forever, which Naputaku is very upset about. And he says, hey, you're going to turn back time again? Stop it. Heed my command or suffer the wrath of my frenzied. And he gets grabbed by no! <laughs> Why can't fucking, why can't Naputaku solve every chaos god conflict with the frenzied roar? It's bullshit. So he's grabbed in Yipisusu's eternal grasp. And they're like, oh no, Nabuchan's body. And then he gets dropped down. He's back to his initial form. And he's all scrawny and tall again. Like he was when he first appeared in Nabuchan. <laughs> Which is a fun kind of inside joke. It's like, no, 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 no. His design didn't change. He just got more content and therefore shorter. Yeah. <laughs> It's sort of like how the dudes at the start of part four of JoJo were like normal sized adults, and then JoJo or jo, uh, Josuke beats them up, and they're like children after that. <laughs> like they're really tiny then. Uh, and um, however, Yuppie Susu says that Nobutsuku is the most terrifying. You have changed so much while I was away. I hardly recognize you. Yeah, he's gotten great. Yeah. Uh. Ninitsi and Zonzege and Gula appear out of a portal. Gula summons giant claws to grab onto Yubisusu's hands so that they can't use the eternal grasp anymore. And Zonzege is like, ah, barbs of despair. And so that way they can at last hear Yubisusu's real intentions. And Magu turns into a more demonic form and demands, why are you repeating time? Do you mean to hinder my full revival? And Yubisusu says, why did I do that? All I did was grant a wish. A wish by Ruru Miyanagi. Did she not wish for eternal peace? We superior beings are but the flotsam of chaos. We grant the wishes of lowly humans so that they will recognize us. This is what gives us form. I want to know, what is the young girl's true wish? And they start flying away, which immediately just causes Gula's plan to not work because he just gets picked up and carried off. Wait, wait, no, I don't like this. No, I'm stopping you. (laughs) So, Yibisusu heads off to the Miyanagi household with all the other gods following after. Ruru is in her house and she sees that Magu-chan left his BFF book behind. And she starts to page back through it and thinks, you know, it's actually all thanks to Magu-chan that I've made all these friends. Aww. And uh, she says, when Magu-chan gets back, I'll have to tell him my wish. And there's a rattle outside. So Ruru goes outside to take a look, thinking that Magu-chan's home. But no, it's Yupi-susu the Eternal, who addresses Ruru, saying, You are truly exceptional, that you do not tremble in the presence of superior beings. I wish to know what it is you desire. I shall grant you eternal peace by staying the flow of time, and you shall spend your everlasting days with me. And Magu, trying to catch up, says, no, wait. And Ruru just says, yeah, Ed, what, what, are you, what? I don't understand what you're talking what about. What the hell are you talking about, bud? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, and then she says, yippee, you, yuppie, yuppie. Yeah, I'm not very bright. So can you dumb down your explanation for me? So yippee, Susan thinks for a second and then just goes, yuppie, turned back time for you. <laughs> just immediately accepts the nickname. <laughs> So Magu says like No 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 I grab my disciples wishes You get out of here go, go away go away go away uh, But Ibisusa says You cannot grant her desires with your power of destruction The everlasting is not possible Without eternity 
your life will inevitably come to an end. We superior beings are immortal. The life of the lowly human is fleeting. We cannot live together forever. And both Uneris and Muscar, as they say this, look very grim. Because, of course, they have both outlived many human friends that they have had. But Ruru just smiles and says, I know that. My dad died when I was little. And that's when I learned that ordinary days are more special than you think. Everything comes to an end. That's why I want to get along with everyone. Soon I'll be taking entrance exams, graduating from middle school. I'll go to high school and study there. Then I'll work and meet all sorts of people. And if I can, I'd like to get married, too. And eventually I'll die. Because I'm a human. My dream for the future is to be an ordinary and good person. It's normal, and I'm still pretty nervous. That's why I want a god like Maku-chan watching over me. And she puts Magu on her head. And Ibisusu looks down at her and says, Your wish makes little sense to me. But Ruru doesn't really mind about that. And she pulls out the BFF book and says, You're writing it too, Yippie. And so... Yuppie Susa says, getting to know each other and watching over you, it seems I've underestimated the desires of lowly humans. In that case, I will see it through in time. And they vanish. <gasps> and of course, time begins to proceed forward as normal. Or does it? Because Yuppie Susu wants to understand. And so they have gone back to the beginning so when Ruru first found the seal that was keeping Magu sealed away. That was a nice chapter. Yeah, it was a heavier chapter than I was expecting it, it to be, but uh, it was good. Still, Ruru's got it out. <laughs> you still think it's, it's going to keep going, Nick? I mean, for probably about three more chapters. Like. <laughs> you come to accept it too? I just don't really see where you could go after this. I mean, it could surprise me, what especially if they go because back to the Magu... fair? Like they, do, yeah. they do the mochi pounding joke again. Yeah, okay. I mean, you, but Yubi Pasu or whatever's in the background just float around <laughs> being like, interesting. It's just another 75 chapters that are just every single chapter is the exact same, except that Yubi Susu is in the background going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it seems as though like Ruru seems to be like fully realized now, like she's figured out what she wants to do with her life. And it's like, yeah, she's got nice, ordinary, but very nice dreams for the future. So she doesn't really have a lot of growing up left to do in terms of how we know her as a character. So I'm sure there could be more adventures along the way anyway, especially because this is just kind of a like spend maybe a maximum of four chapters on one story series, usually just one. But it seems like we kind of are like, it, it feels like we're gearing up towards the end. So. No, absolutely. Could always turn into a seven deadly sins and just a mountain falls on somebody though. So. It could be. Oh man. I really kind of want to go back to that every so often. <laughs> what, a, what a day that was. All right. I have a riddle for you, Chris. <laughs> All right. I'm going to answer this. I'm going to get this one. I've been doing really well at Wordle, so I feel like I'm going to be able to figure this one. Oh, okay, okay. It's PPP, PPP, which means it's time for another alliterative wrestling guessing challenge. Okay. 
Last introduced last week. This is where I give a clue for a wrestling performer or act that uh, has um, that can be described in six words beginning with P. All right. I feel like you'll get this one. All right. <clears throat> positivity preaching performers. Oh. <laughs> positivity preaching performers pitch puffy pastries. Oh, this is easy. This is the new day. Absolutely, it's it Furnikai, is. It's though. <laughs> every week, every week, someday, one week, it's going to be Funakai, and I'm going to be real angry. I didn't guess it. <laughs> I'll have to start working on a Funaki one. <laughs> uh, popular question mark? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it's chapter 17 of Analyzing Elise. Uh, it's August, I guess, and uh, so well, the text box says it's August. So I like, guess. What well, maybe maybe we have an unreliable narrator though in PPP, awesome. and the, the narrator's <laughs> like, "It's August." There's a Christmas tree in the back, and you're like, "Wait a minute, I'm being gaslit by the narrator to PPP." <laughs> yeah, there's already enough weirdness in this series. Uh, Lucky and. Girl who was Lucky's <laughs> rival at the start of the series. I want to say her name's Furiosa, but that's not that's the no. girl. <laughs> but it's something <laughs> sort of similar to it. Uh, is it? Hold on. Mina? No, no, I no actually, that's. I, not I it. did. Hold on. Where is. Where are my notes for fucking. Furusu. There it is. Furusu. Yeah, it's close to Furiosa. It's not, right. it's not that far. Uh, anyway, they're going on a training camp thing. We see this happen in all sorts of sports manga. So why not a piano playing school series? So they're discussing Mimin since, of course, they have to take on Mimin in their next uh, tournament. And uh, Lucky says, yeah, Mimin is. Uh, how can I put it? She's scary. She'd say something like she wanted to fly and would really try to jump off the roof. And we see this described in flashback where Mimin literally just goes, I want to fly. And she's got a broomstick and is going to go off the roof. Uh, and um, Lucky is there and he stops her. And I Lucky, by the way, would have had to have been like four when this happened. <laughs> like, because she's older sibling. And I thought that they were septuplets. Or oh, whatever. that's right. They're all the same age. Right. I don't know. The last brother had such a weird little brother attitude that I thought they were all different ages, but I guess they are septuplets. Hey, right. I'm going to lose my mind if I have to keep on seeing Lucky's head drawn as a star in quote unquote Why? comedic moments. I just don't like it. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. So, uh, yeah, uh, Lucky is going to be competing. And also, and the teacher guy says, there's nothing, there's more to worry about with regard to Gakuan Otogami's desire for banishing people since Furusu is competing as well. And Furusu says, I'm not going to lose. Okay. She's not going to, Nixie's steeled. So, uh, and then she turns to Lucky and says, I won't lose to you either. So let's do our best at the training camp. That's right. We're in the mountains for a training camp. And Bo Girl, who I've not met yet, she, I just know she was in the last chapter. So. She was in a previous chapter before that, and the explanation I recall is that she threw away her genius. Okay. So, she has a friend, apparently. 
who is a brilliant otaku and owns a house, which is the perfect spot to prepare for Mimin Otogami. And so they go to this house out in the middle of nowhere, basically. And uh, they're like, where's Meloli? I thought she was supposed to get here before us. And uh, Lucky checks his phone and sees that Maloli is running late. And also, Rageiro... <laughs> he has 80 messages from Rageiro. <laughs> ...is just talking about shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's a bad brother. Check your messages from your sibling. I don't I, care if he's talking about nothing. <laughs> I don't know, man. 80 messages that are just like, this is what I had for breakfast. Actually, you know what? <laughs> This is a story that's mildly amusing to me, and maybe you'll find it amusing too. Um, so I've talked about my cousin Sean before. Yes. Uh, so my cousin Sean has an older brother. It's basically the only real oh, family no. member he's super close with. And his older brother moved. They both lived in Jersey. His older brother is moving opposite side of the country, mm. like to Washington, I think they live in now, or, or Port- somewhere in like Portland, mm. maybe. Um, okay. So when he went over there, my cousin, I don't, uh, not Sean, uh, would send my cousin Sean a message every single day, like it was like, like a video message, and it, he would just talk about everything, and it always end with like, "How are you doing?" All sorts of things. It's very sweet. He would do it every day, and every so often, Sean would send it's something nice. back, and he would send another message back. And eventually Sean just got lazy and then finally was like, "I don't know, dude. It's kind of gay. You send me a message every day." What? <laughs> And my other cousin was so defeated, he just stopped yeah. sending him anything. I was like, you're the monster. And my cousin yeah. did not pick up on that. He was like, oh, shit, I really didn't think about that. But I guess I really destroyed something he enjoyed yeah. so tenderly. Like, you didn't have to do it like that. You could have said, like, hey, you know, can you, like, send them to me, like, every other day his once thought, a week well his attitude his attitude because it was this thing called marco polo i guess which is like a like a video messaging app he would send them through that and my cousin was like it's kind of gay you do that can't you just text me or something like that and it was just like i'm just done i won't send anything yeah it's not cool <laughs> i don't know why i just love that in his mind he was just like yeah no i didn't pick up on the fact that i called the thing he was doing gay and he stopped doing it then. yeah Ah, good friend. Anybody, uh, what's going on? Mm, I'm sad now. (laughs) Sorry, bud. I should message my brother today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, um, anyway, Lucky looks around the woods and he's like, so many trees. No, 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 never mind. There's actually a point to this because it reminds him of the performance of Mimin's fur Elise, except these are normal trees, not piano trees. And then he starts rattling off a bunch of information about the song for Elise. For instance, nobody knows who Elise actually is, but there are a number of different theories about who she is. And then he gets into stuff that I don't understand. So <laughs> he's like, the me, re, me melody that repeats throughout can be read as idis e in German. If you reread the inharmonic dies as s, it's e s e, and that's close to how Elise is spelled. Okay, if you say so. I like that it is some context for why these musical performances are the way they are, though, you know? Yeah. For Elise is a beautiful song, by the way. I love that song. Um, But uh, Lucky says, Beethoven kept repeating himself, calling out for Elise. 
he would change how he would say her name through the music's composition. And then he just goes, oh, this is hard. This time, Maloli just like taught me everything and I didn't do the analysis myself, but I still like it's hard. There's meaning within everything in the music and I need to respect the music. But can I really do it? Start from scratch before the competition. And apparently he's just saying all this out loud because someone responds to him and says, maybe you don't have to start from scratch. And Lucky looks around like, huh? And a hand reaches down through the apparently absurdly thick leaves in one of the trees as um, a guy appears, a guy with very, very long hair and a tank top that goes da 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 da. That's an awesome (laughs) T-shirt. Tank top, whatever you'd call it. Yeah. Um, he introduced himself as Sadame Hino. Uh, and, uh, meanwhile, we cut over to Furusu and the teacher who are like, no one's here. Also, where's Sonoda? And they go into the house and there is a room with a piano in it and a whole bunch of diagrams and charts and notes plastered all over the wall. As we cut back outside to Lucky with Sadame, who says, I'm Loli's friend and the owner of this house. And the teacher inside says, the homeowner is a genius otaku who collects information. He seriously knows everything. He can help us come up with a plan against Mimino Togami. I mean, I guess you could go to someone who just knows everything in order to analyze stuff. But uh, yeah, all right. Maybe he's a music otaku, but they just say he knows everything. So I don't know. is worried because she says, do I stand a chance against Anotogami against Lucky? And the teacher goes, no. So then you don't expect anything. No, 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 I do. I do expect much from you. You're about to transform into a monster. But to do that, you need to have an epiphany. Oh, is that all? So you just need to have an epiphany. Yeah. Just take some peyote. Go out into the (laughs) desert. I'm trying to... No, sorry. You have to drink a candle... Then go eat the insanity. Yeah, then you have to go. This is the Simpsons episode. He he drinks a candle, eats the uh, insanity pepper, goes on a vision, and uh, Johnny Cash is there playing a coyote. And then at the end, you learn that Marge was your soulmate all along. It's a pretty good episode. It's pretty funny. Is that the one where uh, he goes around asking everyone if they're his soulmate? And they're I, like. I believe so, yeah. Okay. I mostly remember I've, it for when he's like flipping through the record album. He's like, look at look at these records. And it's like the worst. It's like the fucking doodle dandy Bob thing or something like that. He like lists off like five off ones. He's like, and then look at her records. They stink. And you're just, I don't know. It's always a very funny joke. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that it's very weird to have a conversation between, you know, two musicians and one just says the other. You need to have an epiphany. It's like, it's not really something you plan. Like, that's why it's an epiphany. <laughs> like, um, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, it was Next actually a pretty good episode. It's been a pretty good episode. It was a great episode of Simpsons. This is actually, I thought, a pretty cool chapter. The art in the series is really starting to, to hook me in like a really invested uh, way. And I also really like the explanation of for release like giving it this context suddenly is like sure. oh this makes this a lot more of an interesting 
situation. Like now I have a lot more context for when we get to the the sort of like return match of this, you know? Yeah, you know, provi- providing like a, a famous classical piece, but then saying like there, this is like the emotional story behind it that we have a vague idea of and we need to have a breakthrough about this in order to, you know, progress forward as artists. Like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Dr. Stone. Time to get stoned, Nick. Z equals 226. Giant step. Ryusui has joined the space crew team and um, the ship basically completely joins up by the end of this montage that we get where fortunately Ryusui has a spare circuit board that they can use to replace the broken part. Um, And we do establish that Ryusui, this wasn't just a whim decision. He actually did like to keep doing all the astronaut training um, after it was decided that Stanley would go instead of him in addition to him as it turns out <laughs> uh so they fix up their ship and uh yeah they're going out and we we actually get a little bit of uh discussion from Psy, for example like yeah oh, we got to make sure that we can calculate this so it all works out and stuff um we also have uh, a discussion of radio waves and the doppler effect and everything and how they've got to actually you know time everything out so that they and they can use it to keep track of the ship's movements and stuff um and they establish how fast the ship is going thirty-eight thousand kilometers per hour so pretty fast you know uh part of the crew uh, is they also have the crew get um stoned again while they fly during certain parts of it uh and then three days later uh, everyone wakes up and uh kohaku gets to gaze outside at the very very close suddenly moon which um yeah, that's pretty crazy right there. That's a nice shot. Uh, and uh, also they're using a sextant on the ship, uh, which was an idea that Chrome and 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 Suica came up with. They're like, yeah, you can look at the stars and figure out your position using a sextant this way. And Zeno's like, yeah, this was a low tech solution that they thought of in the early Apollo missions. And Chrome's like, God damn it. I can never think of an idea you don't know about already. Um. They take a, so a look at the moon. Kohaku observes that the back of the moon is all bumpy and lumpy. And Senku explains that this is because, yeah, we're always seeing one side of the moon and the opposite side is constantly intercepting meteor strikes. So that's why it's pockmarked with more, you know, craters and stuff. Kohaku says, ah, oh, the moon has been protecting the people of Earth without us even knowing it, which. Ah, Moonchan, you've always been there for us. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's a, it's a nice romantic sentiment. But the reason that happened is because the moon has no atmosphere and those meteorites would have burnt up if they reached the <laughs> Earth. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's it's like if, you know, you're you're trying to tank, but your defensive values are much less than your than the than your supports or whatever. Yeah. Um they have a discussion after that point that they're like, okay, someone's got to stay on the ship while the rest of us go down in the lunar lander. And Senku says, I guess I should hang back since I'm the scientist. And Reese was like, nope, I'm the fucking pilot. You guys go walk on the moon. You go walk on the moon, Sen- Senku. Uh, and he justifies this by saying, three of you are walking on the moon while I alone am going to stay with the ship. So all the glory will be mine if I do this. Obviously, he's letting his friend go walk on the fucking moon because he's a space geek. So yeah. it's a nice 
The Ruler Lander descends towards the surface. And as it does so, Gen says, mm, the whole world is watching and listening. Have we thought of some apt first words for this moon landing? And Taiju goes, I got one of them flashes of inspiration. Here's the perfect line for them to say. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And Chrome and everyone else like, oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> Again's like, you're quoting Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon. Taiju's like, oh, that's what I thought. Dope. <laughs> Uh, everyone thinks up all these different ideas, um, including which, which one is your favorite of the, the three. So I don't like any of them, <laughs> but the one that stands out to me is when Moe says now recruiting girlfriends, cuties welcome because it made me go, Moe's is still there. <laughs> <laughs> Remember he's always been there. He's been their good friend. <laughs> Remember when he was like the fourth most important combatant in their team? <laughs> I like that he's there. And then to also remind you, the girl with like the balloon dress or whatever it was is like right. staring at him disapprovingly. Like you shouldn't be thinking about girlfriends right now. <laughs> um. Also, are there girls on the moon right now? Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, so. it is a great line because you like you start thinking about it, you're like. Well, if Senku says it, then all the girls are gonna like Senku. Like, it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't get you girlfriends, and he can't Look. even get the girlfriends at the moment. Yeah, come on. And Senku's already got a girlfriend. <laughs> Unless this is like a nationwide thing, and he's like, the Science Kingdom is recruiting girlfriends, cuties. Ah, yeah. yeah. So everyone gets a girlfriend. Moon girls are easy. Yeah. So, um, so. The Lunar Lander lands in a crater and uh, Gen's like, ah, well, I suppose it's up to the astronauts to decide what they're going to say. And Senku's like, I mean, I haven't been thinking about that at all. I've had more important things in my mind. <laughs> I but do like a... that Senku is not invested in the like romantic side of the moon no. landing. He's just like, I don't know, we're kind of here to stop a dude. <laughs> like, I really wasn't thinking about this. Um, and of course there's a lot of pressure on them. We get reminded of like, oh man, if they, if they don't beat Y man, then humanity is doomed. But if they triumph, then the secrets of petrification will be theirs. And so Senku says with all of humanity on the line, we're taking this first giant step into the battle for future science. So get excited as he descends from the lunar lander and sets foot on the moon. All right, we're here. Yeah, and this is a pretty cool end of a chapter. It's, uh, I would say this has probably got to be one of the crowning moments of Dr. Stone, because I mean, when you think of like all the moments of scientific history they're replicating, I mean, I don't know if you can get to anything really bigger than the moonwalk and the moon landing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely like the greatest scientific achievement of probably ever. If you believe it ever happened. Um. <laughs> no, Nick, not like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I reveal. Huh? <laughs> oh, no. There's a weirdo all along. Actually. I... <laughs> so when I was in high school, I had this one teacher who his entire like objective with us was because he was taking like a bunch of, you know, like magnet school, like study your brains until they're oozing out of your ear kids 
regurgitate information, get into a good college, you know, those kinds of kids and trying to get them to actually think critically about stuff that we had been educated about. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he was a complete asshole. So <laughs> uh, like it was a noble goal, but like the ends did not justify the means. Uh, and also, we're all pretty sure that he was a racist. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it. a lot of extra details come out about this guy, huh? Yeah, I, uh, look, I don't even care. That guy's I, I can't even ruin his career because he retired the year after I, he stopped teaching me anyway. But we had we spent a good six weeks talking about the moon landings and he kept on trying to convince us like, no, 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 no. Don't you think about how it's weird? It's like, no, all of the explanations that have been presented that could debunk the moon landings. No, they're all very narrow, selective information that don't actually look at the entire picture. And the logic in them is entirely backwards. So, no, it, they were not faked. <laughs> we have moon rocks. There are things on the moon you can reflect lasers off of. Fuck off. I, I love the one which was uh, a picture of the moon. And there is like somebody saying there was like a mysterious like like location on the moon or something like that and a bunch of people are like yep bet that's where they filmed the moon landing and you're like to prove they faked the moon landing they filmed it on the moon <laughs> it's all this one's anytime you see it, you're just like yeah you know sometimes people are just dumb <laughs> they just are i don't know how to say it my favorite take on the moon landings or one of my favorite takes uh has been uh there was a red bull commercial where they like go they get to the moon but because they've drank red bull they've got the wings and so they're floating around and so they can't actually set foot on the moon and so they're like oh man the landing's ruined all right let's just go back to earth and like fake it in production and it's uh that's funny yeah all right anyway from moon landings to mashal magic and muscles magic Let's talk about magic, Nick. Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 93, Mash Burned It, and the Water Magic User. And we get a very nice two-page spread. Uh, oh, yeah. Domina uh, with presumably Poseidon in front of him, uh, attacking Mash with a lot of water. Very cool beginning. So Mash and uh, Domina are at the chest. I, I don't understand the rules of this event anymore because I thought there were keys they had to get, and I guess they just to have them or they're there because this is where the climactic event it makes less sense once another detail comes up but domina said if i win this match father and i will get this wand and the world will end how does it feel mash burn dead to know that the world's going to end and it's your fault and mash says it feels like that would be bad <laughs> and domina thinks back to when mash was a baby is like you haven't changed the fact that father even wants someone like you makes my blood boil once father obtains his perfect form, this world will end and everyone and Mash says, um, can we just start the fight already? Daddy's boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Domino just shoots out a big thing of water. There's, of course, the usual uh, villain has unveiled their new type of magic. This magic is so strong. Mash can't possibly overcome it. Surprise. Mash overcomes it. He does do it in a kind of amusing way by doing a butterfly stroke. And then all the water he gets in his mouth, he spits out like a super fast like bullet. Uh, but Domina can't be hurt because he has a highly pressurized wall of water protecting him. That'll just destroy anything. So you can't get near me, meaning you can't attack me and you'll eventually just get exhausted and I'll kill you. And then yep. Mash like 
lands basically like the wave washes him away and he lands and he dodges a sword stroke and he cuts off a couple of hairs hairs and he's like oh it's abyss and yes abyss is under a dark curse of my father's invention there's no point talking to him his brain's been hijacked how abyss got here when it happened anything like that is irrelevant because now abyss must fight against mash and mash just says i can't fight abyss he's a friend and Domina gloats like, ah, ha, ha, it's my favorite site. So-called friends fighting, which that has to be like a rare fetish, you know, like it's got to be hard. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like you go to a site, you type that in. There's not many results. Friends fighting friends. Come on. The hottest videos of friends fighting friends. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never believe when these friends fight friends. <laughs> uh, MILFs in your area are fighting other MILFs. Uh, now you realize. It's like someone shows up. It's like, it's like, hey, buddy, I brought a pizza. With extra meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pescatarian. And then they start fist fighting each other. <laughs> you got to give it a little bit of story. The story is what makes it. Oh, yeah. That's what draws you in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Domino just starts bragging. Now you'll realize how little your bonds meant. And with that comes despair. And Mash, there's a big stab and a bunch of blood effects. And Domino's smiling and blood hits the water. But ah! It's not what we thought. Mash didn't get stabbed with a sword. Instead, Abyss stabbed himself in his leg with his own sword. And uh, he recalls back to when he and Mash fought each other. And Mash had his line at the end about, no, how, no matter how much the world knows your eye, no matter how, what others say about you because of it, my attitude towards you won't change. And Abyss seems to have gathered a slight bit of control over himself. Says, Mash, you should run. He's impossibly strong. All I can do is stop myself. I may be weak, but please allow me to remain your friend till the end. And Domina shoots him in the chest with a bowl of water. And Domina is like, no, that wasn't right. You ruined the show. No one's going to acknowledge you if you don't play your part. When father gets the wand, he'll use this curse to devastate the world, your family and friends, or blah, 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 blah. Everyone's going to have to fight each other. I can't wait to see it. This one didn't work. Oh, well, I don't need. And we see Mash is like taking up pose. And it's actually drawn really, really awesome. It's not like a full yeah. page one or anything like that. And Dominus is like, what kind of stance is that? And Mash skips a rock. And there's just a line, this could be troublesome. And we see he skips a rock and it just keeps going up. And then it starts going up the wall of water. And they're like, how does he intend to get through the barrier? And it just goes over the barrier and just fucking nails Domina in the face. Except Domina looks like he catches it. And mm-hmm. Mash says, you maniac, you'll never get your way as long as I'm around. I'll kill all of you first, which is kind of a dark line for Mash. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, here's Waterwall. So, yeah, uh, ah, in my water wall. I don't think I've ever actually listened to that song. So uh, it's like seven it's, minutes. Why would you? Yeah. Especially when the far superior champagne supernova is out there. Okay. Uh, I mean, honestly, like I, I, as someone who has listened to Dragon Force for twelve years, I don't think song length is the problem. <laughs> well, the songs aren't that good, though. It, 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 it hits. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, this was kind of a chapter that just kind of went all over the place. There were a couple of cool shots, but it was kind of like there's new power. Also, Abyss is against Mash, but 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 now Abyss has been taken out by the guy who's controlling. It was uh, he threw a rock. Okay. The cool, so, the cool thing is Mash throwing the rock. It's a pretty cool moment of like skipping stones to hit this guy. Skipping um, stones. Unfortunately, the entire like edition of Abyss Razor like 
just kind of misses the mark. And I understand part of that is Komoto really doesn't seem to be particularly interested in using the side cast all that much, but it is a little bit odd to be like, Hey, Abyss Razor is here and being mind controlled. And this is drama. And, uh, it is nice to have that moment to like reflect on the whole line mash had previously about like, no matter how much the world lows your eyes, I'm my attitude towards you is never going to change. But then mm-hmm. that actually his eye and that stuff isn't really relevant, but it's like, okay, he, he didn't get angry that Abyss was attacking him because he knows it was mind control. It's like a thing that almost works, but doesn't quite. So it's all right. It's fine. Yes. Anyway, let's move on. Here's Elusive Samurai. Chapter 47, Face 1335. Uh, we see out in the countryside near the Sua Grand Shrine that a samurai dressed in the garments of the Hojo family uh, is asking for directions. And as he's pointing on his way, there the two farmers who gave him directions are like, yeah, something odd about that guy. It's almost as if that there was determination written on his face. And when we see the samurai's face, indeed, it actually says on his forehead, I'm so determined. And we are introduced to Tokiyuki's uncle, Hojo Yasuye, uh, who would soon invoke a storm. Tokiyuki is shortly reunited with his uncle, uh, and they're like, oh, I can't believe you're alive. Um, and we get a bunch of uh, info dumped about him saying like, oh, yeah, so his older brother was Takatoki, who was the center of the shogunate. And when Kamakura fell, he was one of the men who arranged for me to take Tokiyuki into my care. But Tokiyuki says, well, how did you manage to escape the carnage? And uh, Yasuye says, oh, I pretend to be a soldier of Nita. And um, we see a shot of him like dressing in bloody garments uh, of the Nita and acting like he was an injured soldier and be like, oh, God, help me. Uh, And so it's like, yeah, he managed to escape that way. And Genova was like, oh, wow, impressive. You shamelessly fled your clan while they died. And Suye says, they wanted me to kill myself too. But I said, I care not for my life, but I must avenge you by restoring Hojo rule. But now it says on his forehead, I just didn't want to die. (laughs) So they're like, oh, he's really easy to read. And it's just actually written on his face where he's, you know, doing that. Uh, But he says for the past two years since the attack, He's been out fighting in Tohoku, and now uh, he's been defeated since then. So Yorishige is their last hope. Uh, and Yorishige says, I foresee complications, so let us confer back here. And uh, Yasuye follows him. We see the pervs a bit for the Shrine Maidens, uh, because every adult guy has to, it seems like, in this series, have, have like perv over the Shrine Men at some point or another. Mm. But uh, everyone's kind of like, I he's like, is he okay? And Tokiyuki says, well, uncle has always been duplicitous, but his ulterior motives are easy to read. He clings to status in life and it shows on his face. He doesn't wear a warrior's mask. So I like him for his honesty. And there's like bits where like, you know, he just like is trying to play with Tokiyuki and just says on his head, I'm bored. Let's do something else. So. It's like, yeah, I can see how that could be kind of refreshing for a kid if, like, all the adults in your life are, have, like, different motivations if you can actually tell what someone's thinking. So, and you just have to see him because he's his uncle. Genba 
wanders up by himself and uh, he says, thinks, okay, all the players are assembling. The great battle is approaching and things are going to start getting really dangerous. And Tokyuki is fun, but I don't know if he's I'm willing to die for him fun. Uh, so now would be a good time for me to leave. But I'll decide on that later. Because the Shrine Maidens are changing clothes and I made a new hole in the walls. Oh my god. <laughs> but before he can go off and do that, uh, he senses something. And he peers towards a tree in the distance and there's this weird swirl effect in it. And he realizes, okay, something is wrong here. But I don't know, like, Yoroshige has lookouts everywhere. So, I like, could anyone really sneak in here? But, oh my gosh, knives fly out of nowhere and nearly stab into him. So he has to dodge in midair and land on a tree branch. Uh, at, but as he lands and takes a combat stance, someone in a Tengu mask appears behind him, looking all cool and posing and stuff. Um... And the Tengu mask says, though incomplete, you're a ninja. Are you the one of the Foss masks known as Kazama Genba? Oh, but he was really old, so you must be a successor. All right. Well, I'm going to kill you. So <laughs> I don't know why I bothered to ask. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, Genba begs off and he's like, oh, who's Genba? I'm just wearing a festival mask. Here, take a look at my face. And he takes the mask off and fucking fire comes out of his face. Uh, or it might just be a smokescreen. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell in black and white. Uh, and he tries to attack him with a, f a blade coming out of his foot as well. But uh, the only thing he manages to stab is a law because, oh, substitution jutsu. That Tenku mask guy. It is the supremely awesome move to be like, no, it's just a mask. Take it off. Brah, fire breath or smokescreen something. Brah. Like that is a supremely awesome like visual to have. Yeah. And this little sequence, although it's very short, is also really cool because the Tengu guy is just like, all right, got behind you. I'm going to freaking slit your throat now. These uh, two pages are a better ninja fight than the ninja fight in one piece that's been going on for two years. <laughs> <laughs> the fire will reach you first. <laughs> uh, in a last ditch. Uh, attempt to get away. Genba just pulls out some firecrackers and sets them off, which of course draws a bunch of attention from all the lookouts. Um, he tries to struggle against the guy's knife hand, but of course he's way bigger and stronger, so he can't really do anything about that. But the tanky mask guy is like, all right, we gotta leave. But he also mocks Genba saying, you would hide behind others. Then you are unfit to protect your lord. You are unequal to the stories I've heard. And he vanishes, which leaves Genba upset and uh, disturbed as he says that he has to talk to Yorishige because they might have a problem. And also he's like, asshole, call my freaking techniques tricks. But he goes to speak with Yorishige about this and he says, uh, yeah, this was a guy who was working for Takauji. The resistance by Yasuye and Tohoku and by Hojo's remnants elsewhere has failed. So now he will focus on Shinano, their ninja called Tengu. My father said they serve the Ashikaga. Due to their speed and covert skills, they can uncover any secret. Forget about a big battle. They'll expose your rebellion and the brat's identity, and this will all be over. 
And this is portrayed in an image of a giant Tengu breaking through a wall uh, and ambushing Tokiyuki. So yeah, it was a cool chapter. A very exciting start to this uh, next uh, stretch of story that we're getting. Yeah, so. I, I like this as a premise. Let's let's get back. Let's give Gemba a bit more focus. Let's have a, a battle that's not a battle, anything like that. Like, it's just, it's an mm-hmm. interesting thing. I like it. Yeah. All right, Nick, let's wrap up Weekly Manga Recap this week by talking about Black Clover. Yes. Page 320, the cause of all of this. So Asta strikes at Lucifero, and he missed. Cuts off one of his horns, though, which uh, yeah. Lucifero is really pissed off about. Like, he immediately grabs Asta by the face and just screams, you filthy brat, and just starts stomping the shit out of him. <laughs> just goes, trash, magic scum, my body, you fuck. He didn't say you fuck, but it'd be pretty awesome if he did. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in. <laughs> no, he just becomes, like, really bossy. He's like, you have any idea how long it took me to polish my horn? I'll kill the fuck out of ya. <laughs> Um, all the captains simultaneously realize, oh, anti-magic attacks work on Lucifero. We uh, all it's too to- bad we don't have any of those. <laughs> yeah. We have to protect Asta, and that's the only thing we can really do. So they all try to attack this creature. Um, the first time I saw this shot of Jack the Ripper, great hero Jack the Ripper, I thought his legs had been cut off at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and he had just replaced them with swords. It's like, when did that happen? No, it's just the way the art is. His legs are like bent behind him. Um, and then I'm not sure what he does. I think he just covers his cloak with swords and throws it at Lucifero. I think that he does a Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, he turns into a ball and like... Yeah, just... Okay. <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe that is what he's doing. I have no fucking clue. Um uh, it doesn't matter. Lucifero just smacks him away and says, vanish. Uh, we have Nozel come up, say, as royal, I have learned something for that peasant. Anyone who can fight those who are far above them. Anyone can fight those who are far above them. And Lucifero just fucking... I have it. learned and have grown as a character. And... <laughs> uh, Merlo Leona and Fuego Leon say that they're both looking forward to Asta's future for different reasons. Fuego Leona is because he's looking forward to Asta's growth of the Magic Knight. And Mary Leona is looking forward to it as her prey, which is interesting. I don't know if we can trust this woman. Yeah. Uh, she fantasizes uh, about beating children. <laughs> which, hey, it's kind of amusing in its own way. Uh, it doesn't work. Uh, Lucifero just runs straight through and basically double clotheslines them down. Uh, Rill tries to do something. He doesn't get to talk. <laughs> he just gets beat, which I really appreciated. Best real scene ever. Yeah. Uh, the other demon who's shown up basically was just like, oh, that magic mansion that Rill summoned was the only reason they could fight. I guess it's all over now. He's the cause of all of this, that filthy brat. So Lucifero's like, oh, I must crush him. I must destroy him. And goes to stomp on him, uh, which I guess would kill him. Uh, but he lands his foot down and there's nothing there, but there's a star in front of him. And we see, you know, who says you finally owe me one, Asta. As we see, you know, has teleported Asta away and Mimosa is there to help heal him. Hey, it's pretty cool. Uh, big hero moment for Yuna, honestly. Yeah, I so. legitimately was like, this is a cool. I don't know. I know when it happened, but I really have reached that full turnaround. And I'm like, Yuna's pretty cool now, guys. Um, yeah, you I'm sti- definitely more. You stick with me long enough. Everyone eventually gets on my good side, except Gunaris. I... But. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
don't know. We've got a few more chapters left. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I suck. Nabutaku rules. I was like, you know that Odaris makes some good points every now and then. I absolutely am much more excited to see what, you know, can possibly do to even hold off uh, uh, Lucifero mm-hmm. while they're trying to help out uh, Asta, as opposed to when all the captains showed up and I was just like, what the fuck ever? Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty much a, exactly the feeling I had. Maybe if it were a couple of the captains and not all of them, it was like, oh, great, freaking Dorothy is here and real. <laughs> well, and not all, Jack the Ripper. Not all of them. The purple orca captain isn't there, so. <laughs> you know, if only the purple orca captain had showed up and be like, <laughs> I don't even know. All right. I don't even know who's leading the purple orcas now. <laughs> oh, but that would have uh, been. Oh, let me see. Hold on. I want to see who is the purple orca captain right now. Because if this dude only showed up, Kaiser, I barely remember this dude. He has a little fucking doofy mustache. If this dude had showed up and like, I will take you all on, that was it. I'd have been like, fuck yeah, this is the best. Remember when they made a big deal about one of the captains being the traitor and it was the purple worker captain who just looked really <laughs> evil and we had never met before. <laughs> <laughs> so it had no impact with the reveal. Oh no. <laughs> The dude who was obviously probably evil. Well, William Vengeance was the real traitor. I mean, like, that's better, but we do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Yeah, yeah. We got we got to the end of the chapter, and there were some cool moments where captains got the shit beat out of them. So it was, yeah. Yeah. I do really like how Lucifero is built up as a villain, how he just fucking like he's so disinterested until some fucking magicus magicless little bitch cuts off one of his horns. He's like, you piece of shit. I will fucking (laughs) reduce you to fucking atoms, you bitch. How fucking dare you even bother to be in my presence? I'm going to shit stop you into a fine goddamn paste, you bitch. (laughs) And with all that said. That's it for this week of manga, everybody. So let's name our favorites for this week. Favorite chapter and MVP. Uh, Favorite chapter. It's got to be Undead Unluck. Undead Unluck was so freaking cool. And I legitimately, as I read that chapter this weekend, had like audible gas of like, what the fuck is like the moment Juez turns to the moon and says, Luna, let's make a deal. I was like, what the fuck is happening? It's not really even close for me, so I've got to agree with you there. I mean, there there were moments in a lot of chapters this week. There's like, all right, yeah, that was that was that was nice. Uh, I liked the end of Doctor Stone. I liked the interaction between Yubisusu and Ru, which was Maga was probably my second favorite chapter this week, but it's you know a fairly decent step down between them, and then it's there to like, well, there was some nice stuff after that in every other chapter. Uh, and my MVP is going to be uh, Genba because, hey, that was a cool fight scene. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He did a really cool and surprising thing where he just, oh, no, I'm just a kid. See, <laughs> that is a supremely cool moment. Uh, I think for mine, I want to give it to Senku from Dr. Stone, if only because I do really want to call attention to like that being a pretty awesome moment, I think, for that series. The idea of them like, hey. They landed on the moon. This is a pretty big moment. And what's Senku's line? It's the same shit he's been doing forever. So, but it kind of, it, it hit, does hit in a way where you're like, I've been following the series for so long. Him being like my first word, like big speech on the moon is to get excited. You know, it was nice. Yeah. 
Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Maguchan, God of Destruction, as their chapter week. Uh, but Juez from Undead Unluck as the character of the week. So, Well, I mean, she did fucking save Fuko with her quick she thinking. Did. So, yeah. yeah, definitely fair. All right. Well, everyone, that is going to do it here for Weekly Manga Recap. We want to thank you all for joining us for the show, which we record Wednesdays, usually around 7, 7.30 Eastern time. But to stay updated on exactly when we go live, you can follow us on social media at RelloT, at Nick F. Time, at WMR Podcast. And join us on our Discord server, you know, when it's working. Uh, and uh, To be fair, it wasn't our Discord that wasn't working. It was not. All of Discord wasn't working. Right. Uh, we will send out a message on when the stream goes live on that as well. Uh, Twitch.tv slash reality is where we broadcast from. Uh, you can also use the discord to, well, just participate in all sorts of fun chats related to manga and not related to manga. There are game nights that are bi-weekly. There are discussions surrounding the recommendations that we've taken on the new chapters that come out when, uh, and stuff that we talk about in the recap. So a lot of fun stuff there. That's also a good place to find the Google doc, which is maintained by Ninja X3I which keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the show, the MVP and uh, favorite series logs, uh, the series that we have covered and might cover in the future, leave a recommendation or add your vote for something that we might cover in the future there. All sorts of good stuff. We also want to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weekly recap, where you can find bonus content that we love producing for you guys, including Chris's monthly other recap. Yeah. Uh, covering all of these series that are in jump and in other places that we don't talk about the show. Yeah. So. I should note for anybody who's looking, this month was a little bit chaotic, so I haven't been able to get one out. I'm just going to do an extra long one next month then just to, to make up for it then. Hmm. Uh, we also want to thank Steve Mann, our occasional title cardist. You can check out his work, artwork wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, including his Twitter account, at Steve Mann Art. And we also want to extend our thanks to Wednesday L. Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz for creating the opening sequence of the video versions of the podcast. We can, you can see on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. And uh, the audio version you can listen to basically wherever podcasts can be listened to. Spotify, uh, iTunes and on just weekly recap.podbean.com. Yep. So that's the place. I think that's everything. So that's it. Let's get out of here, Nick. All right. What are you going to do tonight? Uh, well, I'm getting out of here, obviously. So oh, I guess okay. I'm just going to go through that window oh. and uh, see where uh, see where I wind up. So Aww. I'm going to miss you. Yeah, well, I mean, I might wind up in Pennsylvania <gasps> by next week. I, uh, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. We could do like a live one together. Yeah, and the entire time I'll just be like, you know, I'm tired and hungry. I've and been walking cold. for... You're going to be yeah. really cold. I'm not really cold. Water. It's really fucking cold. <laughs> it sucks here. I did not pack for this already. <laughs> yeah, like I just wore a t-shirt and a jacket. Why is it? Why does the temperature go underneath 40 degrees? Why does it do that? Listen, like, I know how this works. You put on two layers and you're fine for anything. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> the worst days of the year, you put on a third layer and that's it. Like, no, the third, the worst days of the year, you don't go outside. What are you talking about? <laughs> what? But then how do you go to the beach? <laughs> uh, Nick, I'm going to tell you the beach for us is the puddle outside the sheets that sometimes people splash in. Bye, everybody.